Welcome to the James River Church Podcast. You're about to hear another inspirational message from Pastor John Lindell, lead pastor at James River Church. It's our prayer that this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. Tonight, I want to talk a little bit, just briefly, about praying for people to be healed. I know we've talked about this in part before. There's some things in what I'm going to share tonight that I haven't shared before. Um, But it's good for us to hear it because honestly, what happens in a lot of circumstances is we're praying uh, for people, but we're doing it in a way that is not uh, prominent in the Bible. We're doing it because we feel comfortable, so we're just praying and asking Jesus to do uh, a healing in somebody's body. I'm not saying God can't answer that prayer. I'm just saying you don't see it in the Bible. And I think we have to be honest with ourselves and say, listen, if we're defaulting to what we're comfortable with culturally or because that's the way we were raised or that's all we've known and we're not doing what the Bible says, then we can't be unhappy when we don't see more people healed. Because God wants us to, he gives us an example in scripture and he wants us to follow scripture, not follow the path of greatest comfort. So some of what I'm going to say, maybe some of the way you hear people praying makes you uncomfortable. If it does, then you need to read the Bible more. And and I'm not saying you're not reading the Bible. I'm just saying when you're getting to those places in the Bible, you're not letting it speak to you concerning your own practice. You're You're just going on and saying, oh, great, Jesus healed somebody or Paul healed somebody or Peter healed somebody. And you're you're not thinking, okay. What did they do that I'm not doing? Or what did they do that's different from what I'm doing? And could it be that maybe a part of the reason why you're not as effective as you would like to be is because the way you're choosing to pray is not primarily a biblically preferred way of praying for people. So it's good for us to base our practices on the Bible. How, what makes you and I comfortable is irrelevant. In fact, the Bible will make you uncomfortable. And when Jesus is moving in a place, when he shows up at the temple, he's been known to turn over a few tables. So if you come to church expecting because you grew up in this that you're just going to be comfortable all the time, you're going to be very disappointed because there are times things will happen that will make you uncomfortable. And that doesn't mean that they're out of order. That doesn't mean that they're not real and not right. It just means that sometimes we allow ourselves to create a parameter of comfort and we equate that with what's right rather than saying, God, whatever you have for me, that's what I want. So as we talk about it, I really want to start, number one, because I think this is where everything starts. If you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you'll see God do more of the miraculous in and through your life. Now, I'm not saying that if you are not filled with the Spirit and speaking in tongues, that you will not be able to see people healed. I'm just simply saying you'll see more people healed if you are. 
When we're talking about it, and I think a lot of people get hung up when it comes to the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they get hung up on the whole issue of speaking in tongues. I believe that that is a, an evidence of the infilling of the Holy Spirit. However, let me be quick to add, I think there's a lot of people who speak in tongues and are not as full of the Spirit as they need to be and ought to be. Because I don't believe it's an experience that once you've got it, you've got it. It's an experience that once you, you receive it, you grow in it, and you have an increasing fullness of the Spirit in your life. And if that's not happening, then you're not functioning in the way that God would desire you to. Paul says, be being kept filled, Ephesians chapter 5. It's, it's a fullness, it's an overflow. Jesus said, when you're full of the Spirit, you will receive power and you'll be a witness. So if your infilling in the Spirit has, has not overcome your fear of man, then your infilling in the Spirit is deficient. You get a lot of amens on that, but it's true. If you tell me you speak in tongues, but you won't go across the street and witness to your neighbor, then you're speaking in tongues, something's wrong. Let me suggest to you that the infilling of the Holy Spirit, what happens when people get caught up in tongues, they stop walking in the Spirit in the way that they ought to. Hey, praise God for the prayer language because Paul says when a person speaks in tongue, they're talking directly to God. There is a, a special communication that a prayer language gives you. There is the gift of tongues separate from the prayer language that is, that is also for the edifying of the body of believers. It's a powerful thing. But let me suggest to you that the infilling of the Spirit is primarily not about tongues. It's about being full of the Spirit. It's about having the life of the Spirit in an overflowing capacity, in an increasing measure. So that when you go into a place, you're not just saying words, but there is a power, there is a life, there is a vitality, and your very entrance into a place brings a spiritual life and a spiritual power that was not there before because the Spirit of God is rushing through you like a mighty river. As well, when you're full of the Spirit, there is an increase of love. It brings you to a place where you can forget about yourself and forget about thinking what others think and worry only about thinking what God thinks because you're so full of the Spirit. It brings you to a place where you understand this love that Paul says in Ephesians 3 is a love that's beyond human knowledge. That you might know this love that is beyond knowledge, he says. How do you know it? That when you're strengthened in your inner being with power by the Spirit, it's the baptism in the Holy Spirit helps you to love. It's what the Spirit produces in a person. Love, joy, peace, etc. But it starts with love. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is an immersion in the love of God in the power of God, in the presence of God, in the joy of God, in the peace of God, in the life of God. It is, it is all of that and more. That's why everybody ought to want all of it that they can get. And that is also why 
A person should never stop asking for more. Praise God if you've been filled with the Spirit, but you ought to desire, and I ought to desire. We all need all that we can get, and, and he has an increasing measure. Listen, let me say this. If you're struggling in your battle with sin, and there's an area of your life that's not brought under the control of, of the Lord Jesus Christ, he empowers that control through the Holy Spirit. A greater baptism, a fresh baptism, and again, a daily baptism is what we need. And when that happens, you're going to see more people healed. Because really what happens when the Spirit of God is flowing through you, it, it, the, the greater He is flowing through you, the less you will be thinking about yourself. And once you start to pray for people and you're thinking about yourself, let me just say to you, that's the end. You say, what do you mean? It's the end of healing. You're not going to see God do very much if you're thinking about you. And so you say, well, who wouldn't and how do you not? You have to be filled with the Spirit. This is the advantage when the Spirit overwhelms you and the Spirit dominates you and the Spirit drives you, then, that, then what He is doing and what he, how He is flowing through you becomes the thing you're aware of, not what you can do, what people will think, how will they feel. All of those things work against the power of God flowing through us into the lives of people. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. I, I would just, I, the longer we walk through this season, the more I see the, the, not only the absolute necessity of it, but the absolute joy of it. I mean, honestly, in my own journey, before any of the healing started, I mean, I just was super convicted about the, the absence of the Spirit of God on my life in a practical sense during the day-to-day -day when I'm not in the pulpit. Is there a presence of God on my life? And it really began to bother me. Because the mark of Jesus and his ministry and the way John the Baptist knew who he was, he said, I would not have known him. I mean, here he was, they were cousins. He says, I wouldn't even have known who he was except the one who sent me to baptize said, the one on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, he's the one. Is there, a, is there a breath of God on your life? Is there a presence of God on your life? Do you desire that more than anything? Because if you don't desire it, to the degree you don't desire it, to that degree you'll have a diminished presence of God on your life. And there's something about when, when the Lord is, is resting on you, it changes everything. It changes how you think. It changes what you'll do. It changes what you'll say. So honestly, from the beginning, long before again the healing happened, I was praying, Lord, I just, I just need a fresh baptism. And I still, I mean, it's a prayer I haven't stopped praying. Lord, I just, I want more. I mean, I'm grateful for everything he's given me, but I want more because I know there is more. Having asked for more now for to over two years, I know there's more, and I know there's more than I know that there is. So 
I just want to encourage you to move out of the, the sectarian or denominational background that you're from and, and not assign that specific aspect of living for the Lord to a, a denomination like the Assemblies of God. It's for everybody, and everybody ought to want it. And you say, you say, what do I do? Then listen, here's what I would do. I would just do what I did. I pray morning, noon, and night. I would wake up in the middle of the night saying, Lord, I just want, I just want a fresh baptism. And then watch what he does. Believe he's going to do it. When you're asking, don't, don't sit there and evaluate what's happening. When you're asking, believe he's going to do it. Believe that he's going to do something extraordinary in your life that's going to move you from the ordinary to the extraordinary. Mark chapter 16, relative to healing, these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they'll drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will place their hands on sick people, and they will get well. Anybody who is full of the Spirit ought to be able to heal people with regularity. Again, not a lot of amens on that, but it's true. It is true. You can't read the book of Acts without coming to that conclusion. I mean, folks, we are, we are coming on to chapter 21. I mean, we've covered a lot of Acts, and the fact is, they did what they did by the power of the Holy Spirit, Acts 6-5. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. How come he's full of faith? Because he's full of the Holy Spirit. You, you get yourself full of the Holy Spirit, you will be full of faith. And Stephen, full of grace. How do you get to be full of grace? Get full of the Holy Spirit. He was full of grace and power. How do you get full of power? Get full of the Holy Spirit. Was doing great signs and wonders. How do you do great signs and wonders? Get full of the Holy Spirit. This is the key. This is he, is, he is not an apostle. He is not one of the 12. He is a person they picked to wait tables. And he was so powerful that this is what his life was about. And Luke tells us, and this is why, because he was full of the Spirit. Number two, let me just say this before we look at uh, some of the examples of healing. Healing is something God wants to do for people. And you have to settle that in your heart. In fact, let me say this, that one-fifth of the verses in the gospel, so if people are like, you know, James Ever just seems to be really into this healing thing, well, Jesus was. I mean, a fifth of the verses in the Bible had to do, in the gospels, have to do with healing. One-fifth. In fact, what's interesting, the single most regular occurrence of his interaction with people recorded in the gospels is not him saving people. It is him healing people. When people came in contact with Jesus, they were healed. That's what he did. That's, that's how he validated everything else he had to say, was the power of God flowed through him as the Holy Spirit anointed him. The Spirit has anointed me, he said at the start of his ministry in Luke chapter 4, to proclaim the good news, to set the captive free, to do all these different things. The Spirit of God anointed him to do that. But God delights in healing. It is his name. He is a healing God. He says, I am the Lord who heals you. Jehovah Rapha would be a way to say it. Yahweh Rapha. 
He's the God who heals. He delights in healing. Psalm 103, I love this. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. So when the psalmist is gonna go on a list of benefits that God gives, what is the first one? He forgives sin. What is the second one? He heals disease. Come on. It is very big in God's mind to heal people. And it validates the, the fact that he's a God who forgives sin. He is a God who delights in healing. Jesus' punishment on the cross, Isaiah 55, he was whipped so we could be healed. Matthew quotes that in Matthew chapter 8, that same passage, as Jesus goes on a healing spree, and Matthew says, well, this fulfills what Isaiah said, and then he quotes that scripture, and then Peter reaffirms it again in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 24, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. He loves to heal. Jesus' ministry his instruction, he's sending the disciples out. What does he tell them to do? He tells them to go and preach the kingdom, and then what's the next thing he tells them? Matthew 10, 8, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, which incidentally, somebody was just raised from the dead down in Houston. It was in the news. It was on uh, news. Some people went in and prayed. Person came back to life. Um, it won't be long and that news will come out of Springfield. <laughs> freely you have received, freely give. I, I mean, I just think one of you is going to walk in the hospital. I mean, honestly, it's a corporate anointing. So it could be any one of you. You're in the hospital. There's a circumstance. You pray. The person comes back to life. You're on the news at 10. Okay? So that's <laughs> how that works. And God gets the glory, right? So... There are a variety of ways to heal people. So let's, let's we'll just jump into one and, and uh, finish it up next time. Jesus did not tell us to pray for the sick. He told us to heal the sick. What he's, what he's alluding to is the power we would have through the Spirit coupled with the authority that he would give us in the Great Commission. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. And he, and he tells, teach all nations. Teaching them to observe whatsoever I've commanded you. What he commanded, he commanded them to heal. So for you and I to understand the authority God has given us, you, there, are some, there are some diseases you will not be able to heal until you come to terms with your authority to heal. There's other diseases you will not be able to heal until you come to a level of power that can accomplish that. Because I know people are saying, well, why don't we see more of this or that? Honestly, Jesus said, some things only come by fasting and prayer. They only come by time with God. For some people, and, and I think for all of us in the church, there's also the, the maturing of faith. So, so, Faith has been ignited as we've prayed for people, but there is a maturing of faith that brings us to a place of, of greater function in faith. So think of this. The disciples, they healed a lot of people. He sent them out and they healed people. 
But when they see the, the little boy who's an epileptic and it's, it's demonically induced and the father says, hey, I need you to heal my son. Jesus is up on the Mount of Transfiguration. And, and so they pray for him. Why? Because they think they can heal him. They've healed a lot of people. When they can't, they're shocked. And then Jesus comes along and Jesus heals him. Afterwards, they go to Jesus and they say, why couldn't we do it? It didn't make sense to them. They had expected that they could. So that certainly tells us that you can believe you can heal somebody, but that's not the same as the faith necessary to heal somebody because Jesus says to them, the reason why you couldn't do it, number one, is because you have so little faith. If you had faith the size of a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea, and it would happen. I'm tired of people talking. It used to be a big debate. You don't hear as much about it, but people talking about we don't want to presume upon God. Listen, just go do what Jesus said and dare God, step into the impossible, believe God to do the extraordinary, and he probably will. We can think our way to a place of lesser faith or no faith. Well, I wonder this, I wonder that. I wonder, you know, should I? I don't know. Am I feeling? And we, we rely way too much on our feelings. Your feelings will fail you. If, you're, if your service of Christ is based on your feelings, your service of Christ will be less than he desires it to be, less powerful than it ought to be, less effective than it ought to be. you got to get yourself out of the picture and say, what has he said to do? I'm going to do that. And along the way, understand that you and I are growing in faith and we're growing in our ability to allow the presence of the Lord and the power of God to flow through us. Are you with me on this? Does this make sense? As well, Jesus says, some things only come by fasting and prayer. So, so there's, fasting implies uh, extra time with God. In prayer, in his presence, waiting on God. So there are some things that are going to happen that haven't happened yet that are in part due to what God and his purpose is doing in this place. And it's also in part based on you and I having a responsiveness to him to say, I want more of your presence. I want more of your work in my life. And God, I want to be able to be in a place where your power can flow through me to the most difficult of needs, and I'm not thinking about me. It's just your power flowing through me, and I'm believing you all the while to do it. Because the problem is never the person's illness. The problem is always where are we at relative to our praying. You say, well, boy, you're, you're putting a guilt trip on people. Listen, I'm just saying the problem's never with God. So the problem is never with him. Now, there we could say a lot of things about several things, but I'm, I'm talking about healing, and I'm saying when it comes to healing and, and our experience, it has to do with, obviously, our, our leaning in to his, this work of the Spirit in our life and the boldness to step out without thinking of ourselves. When we do that, God's going to do powerful things.